Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, everybody. I give a shit. I do. I really do care about you. You know, I mean, we're all in like the government shutdown. We're all going to be shut down. Doesn't that sound like it sounds much worse than it's going to be? I mean, it's bad. It's seriously bad for a lot of people. But uh, doesn't that feel like there won't be any trains or you won't be able to mail letters? I don't think that's what's going to happen. But we'll 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 see. The government shutdown is way better than a nuclear war anyway. Don't you think a government shutdown's fine with me if that's all it is? So uh, anyway, I uh, am really excited today because I have a very, very old, long-term, long-term old? Those are two, I don't know, somebody, a a good friend that I have known for a a long, long time, Pat Dougherty. Hi, Pat. How long have we known each other? Oh, like Like since the 80s? No, probably 93 or 94. Wow. So that's a long time. That's a long time. I've seen him go through like a lot, a lot of phases He's in the best, like I have, Pat, okay, I'm just going to say this and then I'm going to tell you about it, but let me just say this one thing. Pat uh, is now married with two children. I, When I first met Pat, I would never thought I would be saying this. I never thought I'd be <laughs> on the radio saying this. And I need to let you know, I have never seen Pat in a happier place. And I'm really, really, really thrilled to see uh, what, a, you know, where he, how great his work, how great his work life is going, how fabulous his family is. He wound up marrying an incredibly t- intelligent, beautiful, brilliant woman. Pat, how the fuck did you do that? Look at my life. How the <laughs> fuck did you pull that off? So let me just give you all the, 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 the 311, 311, 411, the information on Pat, and then uh, so we can actually get to the show. But I just want you to tell, so here's the thing. Pat has this new CD out that is really awesome and it's doing incredibly well. I heard that it's like one of the top, what did you say, Pat? The top thing in, in the Midwest. I'm not uh, a, I'm not a music person. So um, forgive me, but go ahead. Yeah. Station in the Midwest made it its album of the month and um, we're getting a lot of good uh, press on it and a lot of radio stations are playing it already. So it's exciting. Yeah, and you're having big interviews on Radio Free Brooklyn, stuff like, like this that. One, yes. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, by the way, go to our Patreon page and uh, donate some money. Anyway, the name of the uh, CD is called State of the Art. It's it's like incredible. Um, I know why it's doing well, and I want to tell you that I did a little research on Pat because I just know Pat, but I wanted to uh, give you music music people like an idea about his bio and like i'm i'm a little bit blown away myself like i don't know if i i don't uh, what pat why are you hanging out with me man you're like a big deal <laughs> lisa you're an art star you're a total art star well, you know, like, it's, it's my honor to be here with you <laughs> anyway do you know that the new york times describes pat's pat dower dowerty his name's dowerty dowerty so like shorty dowerty to describe dowerty's playing as phenomenal is an understatement. That's the New York Times. He uh, he took his first, his Fender Rhodes. He's been on tour with Gil Scott Heron. Uh, he's got music and feature films, plays the music that he's written or performed or made, plays in the Blue Man group every night. 
He um, His music's in the repertoire of the Martha Graham Dance Company. He just finished working with Alvin Ailey. And then uh, he's also recorded with Snoop Dogg, Princess Star, Princess Superstar, uh, Vasco da Gama, all these other people. But if you remember anything about Pat from today, remember that his CD launch party is coming up. Okay, because this is really an amazing event where you're going to get to see him live. And there's only one show, so I want you to know about it. And it's Monday, January 29th. 7 p.m. at the Rockwood Hall Music Stage, which is in Manhattan at 185 Orchard Street. So I just want to make sure that you guys, like, this is like, he's going to be like, this CD is doing really well, and he's going to be playing in a lot of places. And uh, Yeah, and if you're you're looking for it on the Rockwood website, my band is called New York Electric Piano which was actually the name of the first album we put out. We called it, the album was called New York Electric Piano, and then people started calling us New York Electric Piano. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, so I just said, let's call the band New York Electric Piano. And I'm fortunate to play with two really incredible musicians, Aaron Comas, who's one of the original Spin Doctors, and Richard Hammond, who plays on the show uh, Hamilton on Broadway. The big hit show. Have but. you gotten to see Hamilton then? Yeah, I got to see Hamilton. <laughs> So that's cool. And they're they're fabulous. And actually, one of the reviewers called us a telepathic trio, Whoa. which really describes what's going on. There's, I've played with a lot of people, and this, this particular combination is really special because when we play together, it's like anything can happen musically, and uh, it usually does. Uh, it, is, it is. I mean, I've seen them a couple times. I mean, they're like great. Uh, and I want to give, before we get into like our chat, I want to give everybody a taste of the music. So um, I chose to play in the beginning, in the beginning. Do you want to just give yeah. us like a, two, you know, a one sentence uh, sure. recap of what the song's about? Yeah, in the beginning. That's actually not on our new record, but it's a song that uh, Lisa holds dear to her heart because yeah. it's about money. And it's kind of like the story of money, like the personal story of the creation of money. In the beginning, God created money. But after a while, the money grew lonely, so he created a banker. Took a piece of the money, he made a banker. And after a while, they grew lonely, so God built them a tax shelter. Anyway, that's how the song starts out. You can hear the rest of it. We're going to be playing this song at the show on January 29th at the Rockwood. And it... It should be playing. Okay. Huh. Oop. Well, in lieu of a technical difficulty, I'll just tell you something else interesting I think about the song. When I was doing this song, I was working on a teen theater project where I had, you know, was working with troubled youth. We were doing a, a show. And I said to them, let's do a little project here. I'm going to say, what if, and you tell me, what if something. And this actually just went down just like this. I, oh, here it comes. But after a while, the money grew So God took a piece of the money and he made a bank. And 
after a while they grew cold. So God built them a tax shelter. guys still sitting up come back we're gonna have a talk <laughs> that was awesome i really really as always i love that song oh so good it's classic it's a classic i don't say dowdy dowdy song but let me finish what i was saying Lisa, oh, because okay. i was with a group of troubled teens urban trains and we played this what if thing and i said what if and the first kid said what if we didn't have any money oh wow. i wrote that on the blackboard I pointed to the next hand and the kid said, what if there were no money at all? I was like, yeah, I wrote that down. Then another kid said, what if the banks began to crumble and fall? I was like, amazing. And then the last kid, her name was Trish and I don't know her last name. She said, then there would be no poverty. Wow. And I just stood there like with my mouth open, like amazing. So they're actually co-co-co-writers. 
co-writers. Oh, you get teenagers to write your songs. I yeah. get it. Great. Gotta, now, they, that is pretty awesome. That is, yeah, you inspired them. They that got is, a handle on it. It's really awesome. So, um, guys, I want you to know that I've known Pat a long time. And one of the things about Pat that I've always admired is like, like people will say I'm a free spirit, but I'm really fucking uptight. I, I had a uh, corporate job for a long time and stuff like that. But uh, Pat really seems to have, um, well, he's also enormously talented, but he seems to have really like followed his dream from my perspective because he didn't, he's never, you know, he may, he's always made a living off his music, whether it was playing for the Martha Graham Dance Company. And, you know, he just seems so himself and not like too, too worried about what, you know, he's a great guy, but he doesn't worry about like what other people think or whether... He's just not afraid. He's just not afraid. So that's how I've seen him. So um, w- I was wondering, I thought it would be really great if we had a chat because now uh, Pat is an authority figure himself. And um, I have, n- you know, he's got a lot of responsibility being uh, a father and husband and all that. And I want to see, let's find out. How's that going? What's it like? Oh, my gosh. It's a, every day is a learning experience. Well, first of all, tell me about your boys. Okay, I've got two sons, Rex, age six, number one son, and Reggie, age two. Rex obviously means king, but Reggie, Reginald, means advisor to the king. Really? Yes. Huh. So they're rather free-spirited. Rex would have me tell you that, um, have me tell you that he's into trains. <laughs> he's very into trains. Um, Reggie's very into the Bubble Guppies, which is a TV show. But they're just a joy, you know. Their uh, their unconditional love is it like shames me every day. Do they like run in and go, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy? Like oh yeah, that, oh like yeah. That? Oh, when I leave, the two year old is crying. Don't oh. go, Daddy. Don't go. Oh my god. You know? And then when I come home, I hear him saying, "Daddy's back." But uh, the six year old is now telling me, you know, shut up, Dad. So he's he's made the transition into adulthood. I I came over and uh, visit, visited you and Jennifer right after he was born, right? Yeah. Right after yeah. Rex was born. I remember yeah. that really well. And just so um, we can picture the whole family a little bit, tell us about uh, Jennifer, who has a PhD in dance and is brilliant and talented and yeah, well, probably an amazing mom. She's a good mom, and uh, she's a very active dancer. And it's funny because she got this job in Santa Fe uh, learning this classic dance called the Witch Dance. So we all flew out there to Santa Fe together. And on the way, I stopped in at this record company called Fervor Records, who I had had some uh, publishing deals with, and played the new record for them. And they said, we want to put this record out. So that was was like a sight. You know, you're trying to find a record company to work with you. And this was just, we happened to be on this trip. And I was like, let me just go out to the Fervor place. And they had this beautiful little compound and I gave the guy the record, David Hilker, and we flew back to New York. And when we got there, there was an email. Hey, I like this record. Can we put it out? Yeah. I mean, I remember actually when I ran into you, you mentioned that, that that was really exciting for you. Yeah. And then um, today when I was doing my research, I mean, this is like a really good company, right? Very I mean, good. it's really yeah. substantial. They have such a good roster, a really big roster. Yep. It's, 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 so it's I'm a- psyched. You've, you've got like a good, you got it going on, man. Well, 
I do have a good on, you and do. that's because it's about time. You <laughs> yeah. Know I mean? Well, that's the other thing I was thinking is that, like, in a lot of creative careers, particularly with musicians, like, because of the, I mean, partly, I guess, because the kind of music you you do, in that you've been able to develop and really um, have your career really grow. I mean, it was started in a pretty good place, but it's actually really had a chance to grow, and your music's had a chance to grow. Yeah, it's been interesting because I like all kinds of music. I mean, I like just a good folk song, but I love a very like avant-garde orchestra piece too. I like them both and I can like feel things for both of them. And I, part of me wants to make that kind of music in both directions. Mm-hmm. That's not always well received by people because <laughs> um, I'm still a songwriter. I write songs and, you know, I love a good song. It doesn't matter Right. what genre it's in and i'm also because of uh i've been getting commissions in the last three years i've been writing more experimental music and i have a total love for that too and, and i love that kind of music so you know people always told me my whole life they've always said you you gotta specialize <laughs> you know you got i mean really it goes back to when i was in high school really i was a basketball player oh and they brought me in, the orchestra and the band director brought me in and said, you have to decide between or- music and basketball. And you're like 6'5 <laughs> or 6, you're 6'5, yeah. right? Yeah, 6'5. And uh, I was like, why? Why do I have to decide that? And uh, then my whole career, I could you know point to other moments where somebody said, you've got to decide. <laughs> what, what are you going to do, man? You can't do both of these things. So that's awesome. So you wound up specializing in Pat and now that's a specialty. Yeah. That's a whole genre. Yeah. So anyway, um, so talk, tell me, what's it like? What's it like for you to be a dad? Like, I mean, I know you love doing it and I know like your, how important your family is, but like, how's it affected you? How's it, how's it feel being an authority? Are you in a, like, I can't picture it. I can't picture you as an, your kids listen to you. Um, <laughs> no, they don't, they don't listen to me. I listen to them basically. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, as I said, it's like a learning experience every day. Um, because at the same time as you're evolving with them, at least for me, I'm like re-churning through, churning through my past of my own upbringing, mm. you know, with my mm-hmm. family. And I had brothers as well. And things that you f- forgot about like forever then c- come back to the surface. So you're really learning. You're having like a real growth experience. You're learning. You all are. I'm sure, but you're learning a lot about yourself. What it, what kinds of things come up? Like things that would normally come up for you because you hadn't been in this situation previously, right? Yeah, well, the main thing is just, um, you know, when you're with, before you have your own kids and you're with other kids, it's like they can act crazy. And it's like, that's cute and it's charming. When they're your own kids and you want them to behave a certain way and then they don't, then you have to, for yourself, you have to realize how you're going to deal with it, you know? Wow, so what, can you give me an example uh, sure, I can give you an example. <laughs> can you give me a hundred? Ex- can you give me thousands of examples? Yeah, the six-year-old's up climbing up on the bathroom with his toothbrush, climbing around the bathtub, swinging on the shower curtain, and you're going, Rex, you shouldn't do that because Reggie, the two-year-old, he's going to do that the moment that you're done. He wants to do it too. Uh, and then Rex may, might give me like one of his classic, like, you know, right, the- and then keep doing it. And then you say, then you then you change your voice and you go, Rex, please, could you please not do this? And he goes, nah, 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 nah. and then um, 
you know, like about a minute later, you're like, Rex, I'm serious. And then he does it. And then you blow up. Well, then you blow up. Yeah, then you blow up. <laughs> and, and and do you feel like when you blow up in that situation, do you feel like you've lost control? Yeah. yeah really? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Wow. So what is that like? What 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 happens then? It's scary because you see that you have this, you know, and actually Rex, Rex has a, he says to me, you're a monster. <laughs> and I like, I am a monster. I say that. And uh, I've been playing with this band, others band recently that their nickname for me is the beast oh really you're a beast you're a beast and i'm like yeah i'm a beast but it's you know part of that is as i said before it's like realizing in the family where i was brought up my parents were very discipline oriented and my dad would you know if he didn't like what you were doing he would physically put an end to what you were doing you know i used to get spanked a lot Mm-hmm. And just like cuffs of the hands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it would really, you know, it would hurt you as a kid. I mean, I remember going to my room thinking, I can't wait to get away from this family. You know, <laughs> you just, because they'd make you go to your room all night. Um, So that comes back. That comes back. Cause I don't want, and I was like, I was actually kind of in fear of my dad. I don't Rex to be in fear of me. But then now sometimes he says to me, you're scaring me. Wow, And I'm like, yeah, I'm scaring myself. So I have a, a good friend, Ben Rubin. He's in a similar position. You might be listening. Hey, Ben. Um, in, and in a similar... You with mean, two children and, and, and he dealing has, with... He gets yeah, angry. Dealing with anger yeah. issues. Because uh-huh. you know? mm-hmm. um, it's like the, the kid's trying to push your buttons. They're trying to push your buttons. They are. They are? I, yeah. I've never had kids, so yeah. I, I don't really, I mean, I don't have a lot of kid experience even with friends or whatever. So what, what do you, they try to push your buttons because they want to see what, what you're made out of? I think they want to, I, I think it's for, while it's fun for them, they want to test the limits. They want to be taken seriously. Maybe they want to be in control. Uh, uh. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, but all that, that stuff is becomes minor when you have the moments of the love in, you know, there's a lot of love in that goes on. Right. So what's that like? Is it like all four of you on the couch or what's that? like? Yeah, it's well, all four of us. It's usually like dancing. We have like little dance parties where we put on the music and, um, you know, that's also funny because (laughs) I want to like, I'd rather dance to the sex pistols. (laughs) And they would have danced to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> you know, not really the Sex Pistols, but you right. know. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, although I do like to dance to the Sex Pistols. But anyway, so that, but that's always fun. That's everybody's dancing around. And then, and there's comedy there. And there's a lot of physicality of, uh, all I have to, all I have to do is go lay down on the floor. Uh-huh. And boom, both boys will start jumping on me. Aww. Physically, you know. Um which is interesting because there's a lot of physicality. And you know, when you see those uh, National Geographic videos on the bears, uh-huh. with like about bears and stuff, where the, the mother bear is like pushing the little bear around, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that physical stuff. And also, I just, so we're talking about this. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the side of nature where the male mammal, the bear, the dolphin, the dolphin male, they basically want to get the kids out of the way. They don't want the kids around. Right. They want to have access to the female again. So right. the female's protecting 
the children from the partner, you know, from her spouse. <laughs> I mean, people are always very romantic about dolphins. Dolphins, right? But the dolphin male is ruthless. He'll like get the, the dolphin baby away from the mother and it basically will, dry, will die. Um, Why? Because it needs to drink milk every so no, often. No, but why would he do that? Oh, because he wants the mother all to himself. He wants to mate again. The uh, mother's, right? And I think, um, I mean, I have heard that where, um, you know, um, I think men feel um, abandoned. I mean, it's very common where men feel abandoned by their wives after their wives have kids, you know, after the baby's born is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I've seen that too. I think that's a common dynamic too, yeah. It's, it's hard for me that. though to imagine that because... There's like a lot of love that's just generated. Well, you guys have really evolved too. It's so yeah. <laughs> like right. we're not. But um, so um, so how do you relate to that? The pushing of the how the bears push the babies away. How do you relate uh, to that? Well, there's a. I'm very into like anthropology and studying. Yeah. Because you know you've seen some of my my yeah. theater pieces. Sure. So there's a whole like history that you can you can see where. If you look back in the tribal society, a man had to be like earn the, the right to be around the children, to be considered to be safe. Like the word husband actually etymologically means it's he's it's safe to be around. He's safe to be around. So you feel you you look at your role in the family that way. Well, I can I you know I I, I can see that, and I feel like maybe there's some you know things in the DNA, the male DNA that are that are there because I mean, how else, do, how else do you explain this, the male propensity to, you know, bomb the planet all the time and yeah, you know, right. kill each other yeah. and have mass shootings. And there's something weird going on there. Well, I mean, yeah, men and men. I also think, uh, I read this somewhere like testosterone is a really heavy drug. Who said that? I think it was Goldie Hawn in her bio, her biography, which I read. Okay. But stupid, but I yeah. liked it anyway. But anyway, so, uh, but I think that's really true. I think that's a really actually kind of compassionate look at men. But um, what I'm curious about is it sounds like you feel like you get out of control with your anger and you're a little worried about it. Or is it scary? How does it feel to you when you... Because losing control of your anger with your children sounds frightening. Yeah, it is frightening. And I see um, I see how it's a problem. I mean, I see how it's a larger societal problem. Hmm. Because it's, you know, the nuclear family is a hard proposition. Mm-hmm. It really is a hard proposition, no matter what anybody and says. Why do you, yeah, and why do you say that? I'm, I don't disagree, but why do you? Well, because I'm like projecting back into some olden times where children were like more raised by the community. Right, like a larger right, the extended parenting family group. and whatever. Because now it's like you have, you know, you and your, your partner and the kids and you have like the pressures of the world are on you. And going from the pressures of the world to your kids is very difficult. Like if I get something disturbing a disturbing email from somebody right. you know like this isn't working or you got to do this for me right and then i'm like oh and then i turn and my older kid is like hitting my younger kid oh my god right okay then there's a moment of rah, 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 where i get upset and i know in a way i know it's related to what's going on even if i watch the news and see something you know one mm-hmm. of our you know the contemporary idiocy that's mm-hmm. like that we're subject to every day it gets me upset, and your kids don't understand that. I'm curious how, um, yeah, they don't understand that it's not personal, of course. But I'm, just, I'm curious to know how um, Jennifer, how your wife um, responds to your anger. Does she feel, like, I mean, that's 
I mean, you're you you don't you you want all the best for your kids. I know that, and she right. knows that. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure, but or at least ninety eight percent sure. But um, the thing is, is that um, does she get like protective? Don't yell, or does she think like maybe it's good? You're disciplining them. What what? How does she respond when she hears you yell at your kids? Well, that's that's been developing, but we we got to a point where she was like, I don't want you to spank the kids. Oh, you were spanking them I, as well? I started, a, some friends of ours were like, yeah, we got to spank our kids. And then uh, with Rex, I just, you know, I spanked him a few times. And then she said, I don't I don't, don't think we should do that. And I, I was kind of glad for that. So I pulled off that. Mm-hmm. So I don't do that anymore. But no, I, I raised the specter of it. Do you, would you like us to go back to the spanking? <laughs> you know, um, but she also, you know, she has her moments where she reaches a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets angered. So she'll yell at them too when she, Oh yeah. Like, she understands it too. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, she, she's supportive of it. She, uh, you know, yeah, cause you, cause you don't mean to do, you don't mean to hurt them. Right. Of course she's right. supportive. Like she, she knows you feel bad and she can kind of tell when it's coming. She'll be like, take a deep breath, oh, you know, step back. Good. So it, it's, it's like oh, a team. Good. It's a teamwork oh, thing. That is really good. Yeah. And, um, so how do your kids like, so what's it like when you yell, you feel bad, you feel guilty? Yeah. And do you apologize to them? Are your kids actually afraid or what happens there? Yeah. I, I always end up apologizing. I end up feeling bad and apologizing, which for me is significant because I like, gee, I don't think my dad ever apologized to me ever, you know, mm-hmm. for a spanking or anything like that. That was like, that's how it went down. Mm-hmm. But I do apologize to my kids. Um, but you know it's an issue, and I just we were talking before the show about this, and and something came up that I just want to share because it's in retrospect it's kind of funny at the time it wasn't funny. I had a job for a while I was a kindergarten teacher um, in Boston in a school uh, which was a I think it was called DSS. Mm-hmm. It was like kids with problems at home, and so uh, this one kid Freddie would like sucker punch the girls. He would just find a moment wow. and just hit him right in the wow. face with his fist. And I like spent the whole year going, Freddie, you can't hit the girls. Don't suck a bunch of the girls. <laughs> um, That's not funny. And he, no, and he would do it and he would do it. And then one day I was at the front of the room and I looked back and I saw Freddie sucker punch this charming little girl. I think her name oh. was Sarita. Bam. Oh. And I went to the back and I just lost it. And I just, I, I punched him full out. <gasps> um, I must've done it in some kind of way that he like, he fell back into the blocks. <laughs> and I remember he fell back into the blocks and he goes, you punched me. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, yeah. So he went, uh, he told his mom, she punched him. Oh. And the next day, the principal said, you know, Freddie's mom is here with Freddie. Uh, we have to have a meeting. Whatever you do, don't say that you punched him. Uh-huh. All right? Don't say you punched him. He's like, okay. So we got into the room with the mom, and the mom goes, so Freddie says that you punched him. <laughs> is that true? And they're all looking at me, and Freddie's looking at me, and I said, yeah, I punched him. And the mother said, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for punching him. Oh, uh, wow. You know, I mean, not thanks for punching him. No, but she, but just she was like, said, she totally, that kid needed discipline. Yeah. She was like, okay, thanks for being honest. 
because I could I could have said like the principal's looking at me because I think they were worried about being sued and stuff. Right. But anyway. Wow. See. Wow. That's balls. That's awesome. And I hadn't thought about that like forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know that's something I probably could have got a lot of trouble with, but it's like, what do you do? What do you do in the disciplining situation when you want to, you know, you know, make your point? Yeah, and also children, you know, you can't really communicate with. I mean, that is a really, un, I mean, it's an effective way to communicate, and that you you don't have a lot of options when you're dealing with with young children. Uh, but but I mean, that's also really interesting because what I was sort of imagining about your parents is like, you're a really hard worker and you're really good at getting what, well, you know, you've made a lot happen. So discipline is an important part of that. No, I think so. Yeah. You got to have a work ethic. You know, you gotta, you gotta understand that you need to work. Right. So do you think that some of the, was your, were your, were your parents disciplinarians? Was your, or was your father the only difficult one? Was your mom, my mom would also she would she would explode too. I mean, we I had four brothers. There's five of us, five boys, and I don't know how she did it with five boys. No, me either. I mean, I have two boys are in a way are a handful. Five yeah. boys seems like she's a medal winner for sure. Unmanageable. So, um, but what do you think about discipline? Where they did they discipline you? Is that what you're saying? To yeah, you? yeah. And you think that's important? I don't. I I think um, it's always better to solve things with words. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the stuff I've looked at on it says that when a you know when a child is acting up, they just want attention. They want you to, you know, pay attention to what they're doing. And right. it's it's you know it seems like it's going to be a forever problem because I even remember when I was a young adult that I did some things that like really disturbed my dad. You right. Know? And then what do you how do you do that when your right. child is so. I'll tell you one of my, my keys to the whole thing is that I have this band and I've played in a lot of bands is now I kind of view the family unit as a band. <laughs> you know, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, It's like we're a band. So people are going to have their different preferences of things they want to do. And they're, and you have to kind of give them the space and, and be encouraging and then just learn to ignore them. You know what you do when you, you know, oh, oh, like and just not control them. Like, yeah, have not them control them. them what they do. Right. Because sometimes it's great. I mean, I've I've uh, especially with Rex and a little more with Reggie. I have this thing I do where I don't like set a structure on the day. We get up. I just let them. We go outside the door and I see what do they want to do? That's great. Yeah. And it's amazing what has happened on those times where we just like go for a long walk. And we find something, some story we've never been before, or we come across a playground uh, to kind of let it be free and see what happens. And also, like, I let them, you know, people say, are you going to give them piano lessons? I just let them bang on the piano. You know, I let them just, just bang, bang, bang. Don't stop banging. So you want them to develop their instincts and, and, who, and who they are. Yeah, I want them to feel, like, free on an instrument to just, and the same thing with painting, because... There's some some famous artist, maybe it's Picasso, or somebody says that everybody's a genius, you know, for a certain time. Maybe right. it's Martin Martha Graham, and then it gets taken away from you. Right. And you see that with kids. Wow, really? Yeah. You know, they're very, to them, to sit down and do a drawing, that's, there's something about it that's free. Yeah. And you just do it. So, 
I mean, the more you can do that kind of stuff, I think the better. I think the TV is kind of a problem. Oh, really? How so? Well, it's, uh, you know, I was reading something about the number of commercials that a kid, if they watch watch two hours of TV, you know, by the time they're 10, they'll watch like a month worth of commercials in their life. Because the commercials are like setting up an expectation that, Everything's going to be exciting if you just get your way. And so here's how you, you get your way. So you you think that so it's not the actual um it's not the actual um commercial it's more the uh get your get what you want, get your way kind of uh, uh force in there that's annoying or not yeah. annoying or you is just you you find that that's interesting. I've never heard anybody talk about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's that vibe and the way music is used in the commercial, you know, and the way it's just like it's one minute of people acting like, I'm so happy because I got the spinny dog. <laughs> right, I got right, the spinny right, dog. Right. Wow, spinny dog, spinny dog. Anyway, I'm just so, making um, that up. Anyway, it's station ID time. It's time to uh, let people know that I'm speaking with Pat Dougherty on Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Thanks for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on every Thursday, 2 to 3, replays uh, Friday, 8 to 9. And um, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and we're a nonprofit radio station. We need to keep going. Please go to our Patreon page and give us just a little support. Come on. You can do it. I see you drinking that Starbucks. You can do it. So I want to hear about how your relationship, like, okay, so your dad passed away, right? Yeah, he passed away like two months after my first son was born. Wow. So that's six years ago. Yeah. So I always say that your relationship with your parents, you know, the real, once when somebody dies like that, the relationship doesn't end, it changes. So mm-hmm. how has your relationship with your dad changed since you've been a dad yourself? What do you think? Like, how do you look at that relationship and what have you learned? Well, that's a good question. I um, One of the things about my dad is he was a very big and powerful, a very strong guy. Mm-hmm. He was big and he was strong, and, and he, was, he was sort of known for that. And um, he was in the Korean War, mm-hmm. okay? And he would never talk about the Korean War. Did you ask him? Yeah, we'd ask him. And what would he say? He'd usually say... Um, I don't want to talk about that. Uh-huh. But at the same time, because um, my mom passed away when I was a teenager, my dad almost every night would have nightmares. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Almost every night. I think it was like a post-traumatic stress yeah. thing. Yeah. Where for a while, I know we would, this wasn't too long of a period, but for a little while, maybe it was one summer, we'd kind of like take turns. Who's going to go wake up dad, you know, get him out of his nightmare. Oh, really? So wow. going, dad, dad, wake up. And he had a few stories that he would tell. Like one of his favorite stories was like that he and his buddy were in a foxhole and they said, whatever you do, don't stick your head out of the foxhole unless we give you the okay. And his buddy took his head up out of the foxhole and then, my dad heard a sound, and his buddy's head was rolling around in the foxhole. Your da- wow, that's you know? really intense. So imagine that, you know. Just no, I mean it's unimaginable for yeah, me. Yeah, me yeah. too. I mean, at yeah. that point, I think you. I think anybody that goes into a war, I think you you have to go a little crazy to survive because you're in a survival mode. You know, so, I'm going to do what I have to do to survive to get out of this thing alive. So, 
are you starting to feel a little more compassion towards your dad? Is that what I'm hearing or? Yeah. I mean, I think he was carrying a lot of, uh, burden with him of, of probably his activities in the war because he didn't want to talk about it. And I've, um, I've also then, you know, realized like, wow, it's, it's hard just economically because he worked a couple jobs, you know, to make ends meet for the five boys. And I think there's potentially like a little anger there that you have like, Hey, my, my free time is gone. You know, I'm giving, I've given, it's a big sacrifice. I'm giving up my life for these young boys who like are probably never going to fight in a war you know, or, I mean, I think there was kind of that feeling of, cause I, you know, I came up, I'm like, I'm a little older than, I wasn't a hippie, but I was like older than the hippies, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there was like, Hey, society's going to be great. We just have to love one another. <laughs> and my dad looked at it like, that's a bunch of, you know, hippie stuff. Well, you grew up in uh, Rapid City. Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Yeah, right. Cedar so Rapids, Midwest. Iowa. And you're from a religious family. Yeah, I was from yeah. a religious family. Yeah, that was very important. So they important. were pretty, um, pretty. Con- I call that conservative or traditional or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you may be getting a little, like, feeling uh, you're identifying with your father more. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, which is sort of interesting. And what have you learned about yourself? What about your own anger? Like, what do you feel like? This is something new that you have to deal with, or how are you? How's that going? Like, that sounds tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to, like, be angry at the world. Uh, I think um, anger is something I think you have it with your whole life. Sure. You know, there's something that, you, that you're channeling in one way or another. And I think often we turn the anger back on ourselves. Yes. You know, we get mad at ourselves because we think we're not meeting the expectations Um or not, you know, living up to what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it seems like a process. Sometimes with my kids, what I've learned to do is right when I'm going to get really mad, just start acting incredibly silly. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, now, <laughs> now that I say that to you, it's like that was my when I was a school teacher. That was like always my 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 go to thing was I'm going to have more energy and be a little sillier than you guys are i can out silly you guys all day and with with my kids sometimes like right when i'm getting ready to blow up instead i'll go in and start tickling them that's hilarious that's smart because what 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 you find out with your kids is that you can be like all angry 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 and then 10 minutes later they're like dad do you want to play trains with me it's like (laughs) they forget about it Mm. whereas you're still like I'm so angry. Oh, then the anger passes. Yeah. For them, it's like, okay, we had an angry moment. Let's keep going. <laughs> I think the same thing happens with siblings. Um, you know, I remember my brothers and I would fight. Right. But I don't remember holding it against them except for one or two occasions. You know, right. Like you got knocked out. But, right. <laughs> um, and then you just try to, you know, you're sometimes I just bring them in on it. Like, Hey Rex, you know, this, this being a dad thing, it's new for me too. You know, I've tried to figure it out. So I need your help here. Oh, they probably love that's great. Yeah, he, he appreciates that. That's really you know. great. Tell yeah. me what I can do. Tell me oh, what I can do. That is so awesome. Well, you can stop telling me what to do, you know, stop telling me what to do. And, uh, so it's actually, you're using it as a way to get closer to them. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is really, really, and and you're not trying to be an authority figure in a way that's like totally seamless. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I get to like lay all my mistakes out for him. You know, well. here's what I did wrong. Check here's what here's what I've done wrong in my life. It's a big list, but I I want you to like know about this stuff I did wrong, partially because I want you to like know for real where I'm coming from, but also. Maybe we can avoid these things with you. Wow. Wow. You know, it's occurring to me, too, that, like, it's funny. Like, I think when kids act out, they're actually being, they're being, like, passive-aggressive, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're they're acting out their anger, too, which is sort of like your, so when you start acting crazier, it's sort of like, act. you're, you're, act, you're both, everybody's trying to outdo each other with their anger, which is probably a good way to go. Yeah, I think they don't understand it because sometimes they're acting really, you know, their behavior's mm-hmm. off, but you're, you don't have time to even deal with them. You're busy with something else. So what's the biggest thing in your life that you've noticed has changed since being, being a family? Well, before a family, you know, life is beautifully selfish. Well, yeah. That's what it is. It's like, and living in New York City, it's like, do I want to go to the art gallery tonight or do I want to go find, a, you know, a new club or... What do I want to do? It's all about what do I want to do? And that's that's great. I was I was uh, single for a long time, so you know, I definitely had my opportunity. Right. And then once the family comes in, it becomes what what am I going to do to make the family family work? Wow. Like uh, you know, tonight I'll be in the hallway playing hoverball with my kids, you know, kicking, which I love to do playing hoverball with my kids and then because my wife has to work and then I'll be putting them to bed, you know, which involves, it's mm-hmm. a whole ritual mm-hmm. of getting them to go to sleep so then I can get up and do work. Wow. Yeah. So um, why is it, I never understood that actually, why it's so hard to get kids to go to sleep. Yeah, it's not if you tire them out. If you wear them out properly, then boom, they'll just go to sleep. But it's hard because, in a way, they don't want to miss any of the action. Oh, you so have to just, go to sleep. Oh, so they just—you're going to be up, and they're going to be sleeping. Yeah. So, um, so, but, so your focus is so it's changed your focus, right? Yeah, it's changed my focus, and, um, you know, it's put the I used to, you know, like everybody else that's, um, you know, in the in the arts in New York city, you're trying to like make your way and improve your status. Network. We call that network. Yeah. And, uh, that still goes on, but now it's more like thinking about your kids in the future. What do you mean? Well, it's like, you want to, you want to make the home life and you want to make their, you want to make their life. You want them to have a good life. Right. It's like, it's not so on me anymore. Does that, is there a certain, it sounds like there's a certain relief in that. Is there? some relief or is it less i mean there's obviously pressure because you know it's a lot of as we just said a lot of responsibility but it also seems like in a way um there's it's sort of there's less choice or maybe like it sounds like you love spending time this is what i was getting it sounded like you really like you were looking your face lit up folks his face lit up when he was talking about playing hoverball so i was thinking this is how i this is my counter-transference. So I'm thinking, you know, so many nights I think I have to go to this art opening or this thing with this friend and see this person and that gallerist, whatever. And I was thinking, 
God, it'd be great just to go home and you have no option. You've got to play hoverball and yeah. you love playing it because it's with your kids. Is that, was that accurate or? Had yeah, it, that's totally accurate. So, so, so there's something really great about that, right? Yeah, there is. And then, like I said, you go, you want to get, you want to wear them out so that they'll go to sleep right, right. and then you sneak out of the bed. <laughs> you know, it's fun. I got to say this, Lisa, cause I'm talking to you. I, um, huh. it's like, I like that. <laughs> one of the hardest things to do is to get out of the bed without waking your kids up. You know, you're trying to get out of the bed. Oh, and, you mean because you get in there so they sleep? Oh, yeah, you're in the oh, bed. Oh, you got to get in there with them? Oh, yeah, you're in there with them. Oh, and they're holding, oh, I mean, it's it's great. They're snuggling with you. They're, oh, wow. And this is like, I'm going to put this in my comedy routine when I get it going. But it's like, <laughs> I, what I, my thought is, it's like, all you know, when you're young and you're having a one night stands with people and then you yeah. want to sneak out of the room right, you know, right. Before, they before they wake, wake up. up. Yeah. yeah. Oh and yeah. Get out. Right. Oh yeah. So that's kind of what that's training for. Oh, you know, getting oh, out of the room for your kids oh, yeah. so you can then go do your work. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny cause I go through that with my husband a little bit in the way that like he doesn't, he doesn't like it if I'm sitting up in bed reading and he's sleeping he wants to go to sleep. Like I, he wants me to go to sleep when I, when, when he's going to sleep and he wants me to be up, he gets the dog in. And when I'm getting up and I find that really controlling, I get mad about it, but it's, yeah. really, but I guess maybe there's something like very instinctual about that. That's interesting. So how has being a dad like changed your m- music? I mean, what do you think? I mean, that's a really broad question, but is there anything in the uh 10 minutes what we want to get your song in so it's really four minutes left do you think you can give us any insight on that as a creative person um it's well i'm very aware now that my kids when they get older they're gonna they they may not care so much about what i'm doing now musically but they're gonna look back when they're like 20 or they're gonna say who was this guy or you know if i'm still alive who is this guy who is this guy who's been telling us what to do? Um, they're going to go back and look at the music. So now when I make oh, music, so cool. I'm very conscious of them looking back on it. That's so cool. Yeah. And I look back at some music that I put out and I'm like, oh, this music is like so unbecoming. <laughs> you know, they're going to look back and they'll be like, hey, dad put out some real stinkers. That, like, <laughs> or what was he thinking there? Well, I was thinking I wanted to uh, write a hit song. And so I wrote a really bad song. Um so I'm very conscious of that. And I want them to know, you know, that I took a stand in the world. Oh, like interesting. The, yeah. Yeah. That's important. Like, and to me. what does that mean to you? Um, How does that manifest itself? Well, as a songwriter, you can choose what you want to write about. So if, if I'm feeling impassioned about something that's like, you know, a current affair, I'm going to drop that in there. I had an experience with, uh, with Rex where we got, arrested for trespassing on a railroad line nice you know so i put we're not gonna actually play that song today but it's on our black hole in one it's called who wants to know uh so i wrote a song about that about us getting trespassing and it was at the same time as the whole thing is which is still going on with the pipeline in in dakota uh so i put a verse in there about crazy horse Uh uh-huh you know i had a vision Uh i was smoking with indian chiefs who still believe that the black hills is their sacred ground Mm-hmm. Crazy Horse said he intended to uh, destroy Mount Rushmore because it's such an eyesore. Uh-huh. So I put that in the song, and then I was playing it at a, at a Dakota Pipeline oh. rally. Oh, wow. Somebody asked me to sing, and I That's always so say it's cool. a song about my brother Rex. 
And then a woman came up and said, I'm a descendant of Crazy Horse. Oh, wow. I really like this song. And so she got a, I gave her a copy of the CD. She sent it to some of Crazy Horse's family. Really? And who then like Facebooked me. Wow. And like we're playing the song. And so oh, then I'm like, wow. okay, so this, and we always, when we show the CD to people, I always say, song number eight, it has a thing about Rex in there. So Rex in there, he's in there with the, the lyric about Crazy Horse. Oh, wow. It's you know? beautiful. That's really, that's really. So, you know, I mean, I think this is a really interesting perspective hearing it from you being a more than average uh, emotionally conscious uh, man and father. Um, that um, what I'm hearing is that like you're really, you have a lot to grow. You're having a lot of growth. And it's not like how we think of parents parenting a lot where there's like fully formed adults and then they have the kids and then they make the kids you know then they have to help the kids grow up but what you're doing is you're i mean and you're all growing up together (laughs) that's true and if any listeners out there have anything they want to send my way through dr lisa i'd love that because i it's like a communal thing like it takes a village yeah but also i want to say on so you have i mean it's great because i'm sorry but you know i mean it's just occurring to me because there's so much arrogance and parenting i find or in my own parents my father was you know whatever but it's like you're really humble about it you're very like hey we're just learning together and i think that's a really good example folks who would have thought a crazy guy like pat would have something sensible to say about parenting dig it and uh i also there's child exploitation like i used my two sons on this song that we're gonna hear to end the show called mama bear love army where I was, I had Van Jones speaking at the Women's March, and I couldn't get him uh, to give me rights to use the song. So I took my two sons into the studio, and I had them record just a little chant, amigos-like chant of "Mama Bear Love Army," which is you know on the record. Yeah, so um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I can't wait to get to that. And before we do, I've just got to let you know. I want to remind everybody that this that you're going to have a chance to see. Pat and his band, the New York Electric Piano, live on Monday, January 29th at Rockwood Hall Music Stage and Music Hall Stage. Stage and three. Stage three shows at seven. Uh, it's at 185 Orchard Street. You can get tickets at Ticketfly. You can also look at my uh, Facebook page and uh, hook up that way. But please don't miss it. And uh, stay tuned because right after this, there's some more music and stuff with Elon Danziger. Okay, uh, here we go. Um, we're going to play Mama Bear Love Army. I love the name of with this. Rex and Reggie. And this in the is middle. off your current album. Yes, and you're going to be playing this. We'll be playing this. Yep. <laughs>
Thank you.